0: Father, thank you so much for your word. Not only do you save us, but you bless us with your word, where we learn more of who you are, of how you act. We more learn of who we are in Christ, and what it means and how to live for Christ in our daily living here on Earth. Father, prepare our hearts. Give us ears to listen, hearts to learn, and uh, that want to apply what we learn and to live more for your glory each and every day. Amen. Thank you, Alec. Uh, Bruce, sorry. So reading from 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses one to two to start, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the command of God our Saviour and of Christ Jesus our hope, to Timothy, my true son in the faith, grace, mercy and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. And from verse 12, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who has given me strength now to the King eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honour and glory forever and ever. Amen. And reading from Luke 15. Now the tax collectors and sinners were gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbours together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine righteous persons who do not need to repent. Or suppose a woman has ten silver coins and loses one. Doesn't she light a lamp, sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbours together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost coin. In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents.
1: There are some old sayings which are memorable, and three that come to my mind are these Uh, Make hay while the sun shines. A stitch in time saves nine. And the pow- uh, look after the pennies and the pounds will look after themselves. <laughs> well, that certainly dates me, doesn't it? Now, in today's reading from Paul's letter to Timothy, we hear of another memorable saying. And in this case, Paul says, it is sure and worthy of full acceptance. Or as another translation puts it, A trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Or as J.B. Phillips has it, this statement is completely reliable and should be universally accepted. Wow, what a saying. What is it? That Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. What a wonderful saying. What a precious truth. This morning we'll think about this saying, but first uh, let's notice some of the context. Paul, an apostle of Jesus, wrote a letter to a young man, Timothy, and in his letter he quotes this Christian saying. So who was Timothy and why did Paul write to him? The name Timothy was made up of two words, Tim, honour, honour and theos, God, the name Timothy meant one who honors God. Timothy was born in Lystra, a Roman outpost in Turkey. His father was a Greek. His mother, Eunice, was a Jew who had become a Christian believer. He was also blessed with a Christian grandmother, Lois. From childhood, he'd been taught the Holy Scriptures and had become a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ and probably been led to Christ by Paul, who affectionately called him my true son in the faith. Well, when he was a young man, probably in his mid-30s, God gave Timothy pastoral oversight of some churches. Paul wrote a couple of letters to Timothy to give him encouragement and direction in his ministry. And in his first letter, Paul told Timothy not to let people look down on him because he was young, but to set the believers an example in his speech and conduct, in his love and faith and purity, and to devote himself to the public reading of Scripture, to preaching and to teaching until Paul could come to him. He told Timothy to fight the good fight of the faith and to guard what had been entrusted to him. And in this first letter, Paul includes a bit of his own personal story to encourage Timothy in his ministry. Paul quotes the saying in this letter, he quotes the saying that is sure and worthy of full acceptance, namely that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Let's now come back to the very beginning of that reading that letter paul an apostle of christ jesus by command of god our savior and of christ jesus our hope well we notice how paul describes himself here to timothy an apostle of christ jesus which means he was sent by jesus to teach the gospel to preach the gospel to plant churches He was an apostle by god's command and jesus christ's command and so he had god-given authority and that means that timothy could trust what he's writing and therefore we ourselves as we read what he wrote to timothy grace mercy and peace he begins from god the father and christ jesus our lord well we notice he didn't say well good luck tim or even best wishes and good health. But grace, it starts with grace. The Christian life starts with grace, really, and it never finishes, it goes on. You're in standing in grace now, although you're sitting down. Grace, the favor of God that, uh, that gives us what we don't deserve, that continually pours blessings upon us, G-R-A-C-E, as someone has said, God's riches at Christ's expense. Mercy, to be forgiven the guilty things we've done, and peace, that harmony within you when you know that God has forgiven you your sins, purified your conscience, and is pouring his grace into your life. Well, where do these three beautiful things come from? They are from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord, from the Father and his Son. And each day, you and I also can live our Christian lives with this grace, with this mercy and peace. And now we hear Paul briefly tell us about his own experience of grace and mercy. He reminds Timothy of what he'd been. I formerly blasphemed and persecuted and insulted Jesus. Now Paul's blasphemy was that he spoke evil of Jesus. He spoke against Jesus. And he also tried to force Jesus' disciples to blaspheme. Well, paul's persecution was of christians and he did this intensely trying to stamp out the church and destroy it and in persecuting the church he was actually in reality persecuting jesus himself although at the time he didn't realize it his insulting or violence as another translation says was his deep-seated hostility we read about this briefly in Acts 26 so I'd just like to do that I myself was convinced that I ought to do many things in opposing the name of Jesus of Nazareth and I did so in Jerusalem I not only shut up many of the saints in prison by authority from the chief priests but When they were put to death, I cast my vote against them. And I punished them often in all the synagogues and tried to make them blaspheme. And in raging fury against them, I persecuted them even to foreign cities. Now, perhaps we too might reflect on any of our own actions or attitudes before we really knew God's mercy and grace. For this can be part of our personal story or testimony, too. And then Paul says he received mercy or was shown mercy. He says this twice literally, I was bemercied. And to mercy, he adds grace. And the grace of our Lord overflowed for me. Have you ever seen a river overflow? When we lived at Strathalbyn one year, the river overflowed its banks. Well, Paul says here, the grace of the Lord Jesus overflowed. And what did this river of grace bring with it? Paul says two things, faith and love. Faith and love grew up in Paul's heart. Grace flooded Paul's unbelieving heart with faith and grace flooded Paul's hating heart with love. No wonder he quotes the saying that is sure and worthy of full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Uh, Perhaps we might reflect on what effect the Lord's grace has had and is having in our own lives too. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners and that is if you like Jesus's mission statement to save sinners. That's why God the Father sent him into this world. That's why he was named Jesus for he will save his people from their sins he is God to the rescue. Well, putting it another way, Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. When I was in my teens, I borrowed my dad's car to go to the beach. However, I lost the keys in the sand, didn't I? <clears throat> that was a real worry for me. But thankfully, the story ended on a happy note. After due search, the lost was found. About a year ago, I lost one of my hearing aids. And apart from the inconvenience of it, I wanted to find it. Because our son-in-law, Jacob, who's an audiologist, had it fitted for me. I didn't really want to tell him I'd lost it. Well, eventually, I found it on the driveway into a cafe that we'd visited the day before. And it did look as if someone had driven over it, but it was still intact. Now, lost and found stories are sometimes about people as well as objects. There's another sort of lost and found, isn't there? Lost from God, but found by Jesus. And that's the sort of lost and found Jesus talking about in the two little stories we heard from Luke. But why did he tell the two stories? We're told this. Now the tax collectors and sinners are all drawing near to hear Jesus, and the Pharisees and the scribes murmured, saying, this man receives sinners and eats with them. And so Jesus told them these two little stories of a lost and found sheep and a lost and found coin. You know, I think one of the great compliments that was ever paid to Jesus was when he was called the friend of sinners. It was a sort of label he had. Well, he came to bring the lost back to God. And he told these two little stories to correct the wrong grumbling attitude of these religious leaders and tell them, well, why he really acted as he did. And he reminded them of things they already knew. They knew that if a shepherd lost a sheep then, if he was a good shepherd, he'd go out and look for it until he found it. No wonder Jesus is called the good shepherd. And if a lady lost a coin, well... She had searched diligently in a house till she found it. Jesus came to seek and to save the lost, and one lost person is important and precious to him. That's why he spent time with these tax collectors and sinners of his day. He also reminded them, didn't he, of how when a lost sheep or coin was found, The joy was shared. And he said, there's joy in heaven when one person repents. Think of that. It brings joy to God and those in heaven. You might remember the old nursery rhyme that says, leave them alone and they'll come home wagging their tails behind them. But he didn't leave us alone, did he? We're here because he didn't leave us alone. He came looking for us in his son to bring us safely home. And we've heard Steve's lovely words this morning about our brother Jim. Jesus came to seek and save him. And Jim told me a story how he went to a Billy Graham crusade. It was the last night of the crusade He responded to the invitation of Billy Graham. He became a repentant believer in Jesus. And finally, Jesus brought him safely home. Each of us, we're not Billy Graham, but each of us can be a person through whom Jesus today seeks to save the lost. There may be one person that Jesus will use you to reach this year be open to that possibility and the guidance of the Holy Spirit well we come back to Paul's quote the saying is sure and worthy of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners but then he adds these words and I'm the foremost of sinners but I received mercy for this reason that in me as the foremost Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience for an example to those who were to believe in him for eternal life. Apparently there was a TV commercial showing a car in which a jeweler in the back seat uh, made a precise cut in a diamond as the car was being driven along a rough road. What was to be our reaction to the commercial? We were supposed to think, since I'll never need to cut a diamond in my car, this car will be more than sufficient. And in the same way, uh, Paul in this passage is an advertisement for the mercy of the Lord. When Paul says he's the worst of sinners, we're supposed to think, I'm not as sinful as he was, so the mercy of the Lord will be more than sufficient for me. We might reflect, brothers and sisters, on how the Lord has been merciful to us as well and patient with us. That can be part of our testimony. It may give someone else hope. Now, no doubt Paul's personal experience of Christ's mercy and his grace and perfect patience underlay Paul's enthusiasm to commend Jesus to others. And it can be the same for ourselves as it was for John Newton, who wrote Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me, I once was lost, but now am found, was blind, but now I see. Now why is it that it is Jesus Christ who saves sinners? In short, because Christ has died, Christ is risen, and Christ will come again. Christ has died Well, in this same first letter to Timothy, we hear these words. God our Saviour desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and there is one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all. A mediator is an intermediary, the person in the middle, a go-between, who affects a reconciliation between two estranged parties. And between God and the human race, Christ Jesus is the only mediator, the only go-between. Now, a mediator must be able to represent both parties equally, and in this case, God's side and man's side. And only Christ Jesus can do that, for he is the divine Son of God who became human. He gave himself as a ransom for all. He gave himself means he willingly, lovingly offered, sacrificed himself on that cross as a ransom for all. In another of his letters, Paul spoke of. The son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. A ransom was the price paid for the release of slaves or captives. In our day, hijackers might hold people to ransom. And the word ransom implies that we were in bondage to sin and judgment, unable to save ourselves and that the price paid for our deliverance was the death of Christ in our place. And as a result, the repentant believer receives full forgiveness, cleansing, and the free gift of right standing with God, and so personally experiences the love of God. Christ is risen. In Romans we read, Jesus our Lord was handed over to die because of our sins and he was raised to life to make us right with God. Not only so, but in Hebrews we are told, because Jesus lives forever, his priesthood lasts forever. Consequently, he is able for all time to save those who draw near to god through him since he always lives to make intercession for them and christ will come again again in hebrews we read christ having been offered once to bear the sins of many will appear a second time not to deal with sin but to save those who are eagerly waiting for him and so it is the Christ who died who is risen and who will come again who saves sinners and now to close for what ultimately does Jesus Christ save us I haven't time to say more than just a few things In one of his parables, Jesus talked in terms of, Come, O blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. In another parable, Jesus said, The bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast. Peter, in his letter, says, according to his promise, we wait for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. And in this new heaven and earth, the saved shall have communion with God, comfort by God, and the character of Christ himself, Communion with God. John in the Revelation tells us he heard a great voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling of God is with men. He will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself will be with them. God is love, so it's going to be all about love. We will be comforted by God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. And so sin, sickness, suffering, sorrow and Satan will not be there to trouble us. And the saved will have the character of Christ. John in his letter tells us, We know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Like him. We're saved for that. The throne of God and the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall worship him and they shall see his face and his name shall be on their foreheads and they shall reign forever and ever. The saying is sure and worthy of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners and having fully accepted this sure saying brothers and sisters be encouraged by these words of paul and jude our lord jesus christ will sustain you to the end guiltless in the day of our lord jesus christ god is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Now to him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with rejoicing to the only God, our Savior through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, Dominion and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen. Let us pray. Undaunted, you seek the lost, O God. Exultant, you bring home the found. Touch our hearts with grateful wonder at the tenderness of your forbearing love grant us delight in the mercy that has found us and bring us all to rejoice at the feast of forgiven sinners we ask this through our lord jesus christ your son who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the holy spirit one god forever and ever Amen.